Have you heard people talking about all money out or money in, money out deals? Others call them unicorn deals. Well, often the people who talk about them most are usually selling a course. Or maybe they're just lying. Now, I'm not saying they don't happen, and maybe you've achieved it yourself. What I am saying is that rather than aiming for them, I personally think you'd be better off saving your energy for working out how to mitigate for the money that will inevitably get left in most deals. And that is one of the reasons that's brought me into the centre of Preston on this wet, cold Friday morning. You're listening to Expat Property Story, a podcast in which I share my story to smooth the way for you to have your own Expat Property Story. Day 7. Hello there. You're listening to episode 138 of Expat Property Story, and this is day seven of what I've been calling my first ever UK property tour, as I check out our two SA properties and prepare the ground for a more systematic approach to UK property investing by meeting with anyone who can help us as we look to buy three bed houses in the East Midlands to convert into six bed all on suite HMOs for young professionals. To do this, we're using development finance as well as funds raised through private finance. We will then use the uplift in value to pay back our investors, giving them a healthy and hands-free return on their money and helping us to replace our expat incomes so that my wife can set up our charity to help refugees. And for the full story on that, check out episode 124 featuring Mrs. Expat Property Guy titled Why You Should Invest With Us. Now, despite what you might hear from the course pushers, Using other people's money to buy property is way less straightforward than nearly all of them would have you believe. Let's take our own business model as an example. In the current climate of high interest rates, finding a deal to stack is hard because since the disastrous Liz Trust mini-budget of autumn 2022, it's become much harder to add enough value to pay back investors. Our model relies on the value being added through the commercial valuation of an HMO. But this is one of the few models that works as things stand. And as such, those properties that are most suited for this strategy are those in most demand from those of us brave enough to be greedy when others are fearful. All of this makes it harder to negotiate a good price. And if you want to scale and scale quickly, then the cost of lost opportunities while you wait for an all money out deal makes waiting for the perfect project a waste of time and or money. Therefore, leaving money in a deal after paying back our investors is something to factor in. An inevitability. A harsh reality. So I've been racking my brains lately to think of a way to mitigate for this. One such strategy is to keep appealing for private investors who understand property but perhaps don't have the necessary time or expertise or contacts to look for their own deals. So let's say, for example, that we find a property for £200,000 and then spend another £200,000 developing it into a six-bed HMO that gives us a gross rental income of, for example, £50,000 per year. The RICS valuer then applies a multiplier to calculate the commercial valuation, and this multiplier will vary from city to city and even from district to district within a city. The multiplier for Derby is around 11%, but let's call it 10% to make things simple. So, The rent, remember, was £50,000 per year times 10 equals £500,000. And again, to keep things simple, let's forget all the legal, finance and other frictional costs involved in the project. 
Let's say we take out a 75% loan-to-value mortgage based on its commercial valuation of 500k, that means we can release 375k. But remember, we've spent 400,000. So 400,000 minus 375,000 equals 25,000, which is the money left in the deal, the shortfall. So the key for us is how to account for that 25k. And here are the options. One, maybe the valuation will come out better because we've used conservative figures. Two, we look for a second phase investor who lends us the money and we pay the interest every month out of the cash flow. Three, we use alternative funds to account for the missing 25k, which could come from savings generated by our expat salaries or rental income from the portfolio or from the refinancing of our portfolio. Or four, flips. And of course, it could come from a combination of all of the above. So I've been thinking a lot recently about flips. And the reason I've been thinking about flips is thanks to the fact that we've happened across a really good build team. And here's how it happened. When we finally got shot of our non-paying tenant in Leyland, Lancashire that I told you about yesterday, we immediately set about organising the refurb. And in fact, one of my proudest achievements as an expat property investor was managing to arrange for bailiffs, a locksmith, our SA managing agent and a builder all to turn up to a property at the same time on the same day. The builder later let us down. After first agreeing to take on the job, he soon became difficult to tie down either to a quote or to a start date. A month after getting into the property and we still hadn't been able to tie the builder down. And when push came to shove, he backed out, which was hugely frustrating. If he told us from the get-go that he wouldn't be able to commit, we wouldn't have been back at square one and lost a month's revenue. Anyway, the upshot was that a month on and we had to start all over again in terms of finding a builder. It was now mid-November and by this stage, we've taken on an interior designer who is just as keen to get the project moving as we are. She approaches a builder who did the extension on her own house a few years back. And although they can do the rip out within 10 days or so, they can't commit to finishing the job until the end of February. It wasn't the best news, but it felt like we had no option. And after meeting the builders online, we don't haggle on price, but try to push them on finishing earlier. In the end, they say that they can't promise, but that they will try and finish the job by the end of January, which they pretty much do. And they do a really good job. As the job progresses and we can see what a good job they're doing, and perhaps off the back of my research for episode 127, 10 ways to reverse engineer your UK property story, it got me thinking that if we have a reliable build team, then maybe it would make sense to find a strategy to take advantage of that. So fast forward to today and I've set up a couple of meetings, one with ex-guest at the show, Matt Easton from episode 108 and one with the builder. I want to explore the idea of doing flips in Preston to subsidise the money left in the deals from our HMO projects in the East Midlands. I've got a couple of hours to spare before my meeting with Matt, so I decide to go for a drive around Preston. I drive around Deepdale and almost by accident come across an ex-assisted care property I'd been looking at in an auction catalogue a couple of years ago. I also drive out to Fullwood, where there's a massive hospital, and take a look around there just to get a feel for the area. I've arranged to meet Matt in a brunch place on Fishergate, which I think is basically the main high street in Preston. 
And as high streets go, this one's pretty vibrant. And in fact, I don't think I see one vacant shop. I have a productive meeting with Matt and I tell him about my idea of doing flips in Preston and potentially using the buy three, sell two, hold one model to add some good old-fashioned solid single lets to our portfolio to help consolidate it in the long term. Matt suggests an area of Preston where he foresees long-term capital growth opportunities. I've loosely arranged to meet the builder sometime in the afternoon, but Matt has offered to show me the area he's been talking about, but first he needs to conduct a viewing and offers to let me tag along. In the end, I decide not to get in his way and tell him I'll wait outside the property because I need to call the builder I'm meeting when our meeting finishes. He asks me who the builder is, and it turns out that they're really good friends. So the builder comes round to meet us, and together they take me to the area Matt suggested. The builder confirms that he'd be happy to work together on future projects, and even offers to view any properties I'm thinking of buying on my behalf. So I think the message or lesson from today's diary entry, and probably of my UK property tour as a whole, is the power of networking having conversations and telling people what you're doing. Because in general, not always, but in general, people want to help. And that's how tomorrow's trip to Blackpool comes about. So join me for that when I meet a woman who used to live in a van and now flips bungalows. And if you think of anyone who you think might like to listen to this or any other episode in this mini season, then share the show to spread the word. You've been listening to Expat Property. Property.